The year is 1890. The place, Boston. An evil force continues to seep into our world, corrupting and conquering all who touch it. Our four brave adventurers foiled its mysterious plans twice, bringing Jack the Ripper to justice and stopping it from unleashing panic from an ancient tomb. But now our four heroes have evil's full attention. Can they keep this force from holding illimitable dominion over all? Find out as they face the Red Death. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Red Death Podcast. You may notice that Kent Blue is not doing the introduction today. Uh, Kent's actually not on this recording. For those of you who've been listening, you know, at the end of the last episode, his character and Tim's character both got kidnapped. And we are picking up right before that happens with the other members of our party. But later on in the recording, uh, we're going to be joined by a very special guest. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, hi, everybody. It's Kristen Devine. You might recognize me from other episodes on uh, Role to Play. And Kristen will be playing a character who will be helping track down uh, our missing gentleman in the episode. So, Yay. but we'll get to that in a little bit. So, Agnes and Ignacia, as you walk out of the bar uh, with Alex trailing sheepishly and puppy like behind Ignacia, uh, you think about just what a lovely night it is um, and decide rather than getting a carriage, you're going to walk home. Uh, you give a quick glance over your shoulder back in at the guys and they're more than a few drinks in and seem pretty happy where they are. I mean, besides, they can take care of themselves. So off you go. So are you, is, is Ignacia living elsewhere now or are you looking into living elsewhere? I think... I think at this point she was like she asked Leijing at the right at the end of arc two. So it's been a couple weeks, right? Or has it been like a day or so? Or it's been about a week, I think. It's been about a week. Yeah, I think she's starting to pack up, but I don't think she's moved out yet. <laughs> right. But we're still heading in like the same direction then for yeah. tonight at least. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, Lijing didn't have any space for you. It's she has the two living areas, the one for Finn and the one um, for her. Yeah. So she's looking into and trying to figure out where else you might be able to go. Yeah, because Ignacia loves the Hans, but she just guess she needs her own space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's so used to living on her own, be it living with other people. It's kind of weird being back in that dynamic. Yeah. So yeah, Han residents, on we go. All right. Um, so, Agnes, what is Alex doing that makes you roll your eyes almost through the back of your head? He keeps doing this thing where he opens his mouth and he's about to say something and he, like, makes the first sounds of, like, a word that's going to come out. And you can tell he just really wants to say something clever or charming to Ignacia. 
but what ends up happening is the words get stuck in his throat so he makes this kind of like sound instead he pretends he's coughing or he pretends like he's making another comment and he never actually says what he wants to and it's driving me nuts and ignacia what do you find so sweet and endearing about that um i think what i love about it is that or find it charming is that he does want to engage but he doesn't know exactly how to so seeing and he's young right he's like Mm mid-20s early 20s yeah and that's a lot younger than well not a lot younger (laughs) maybe like five or so years so seeing that and seeing how awkward he is it's just it's endearing to a be liked by someone b um having someone so like caught up in their own thoughts and insecurities that she's like oh that's refreshing i'm just so used to hanging around people who either are bandits or are magic casters that are well known beyond their ears of all the knowledge around them or her crew so like she's like this is this is nice this is refreshing and so you walk back and he keeps trying to start talking to you um do you pick up the the conversational slack there or do you let him try to get through it himself? I think she's going to let him try at first. And then once she realizes he's so caught up, she's just going to just fill in the holes, basically just ask him more about himself just because mm-hmm. she doesn't know who this guy is. Sure. So she's, she'll just, you know, basically just start asking questions about him and, all that. Sure. What do you ask him? If he grew up in Boston his whole life, um, um, if he was still working at the museum, because she didn't know if that's a one-time thing or anything like that. Just, just various questions. Just, just trying to get to know him. Sure. So he says, uh, "Yeah, I grew up in Boston. I've been here my." whole life pretty much um I, you know i uh, i come from southie and uh my parents i think were born there too but um you know i now like working in the museum i'm seeing like all kinds of different people and you know i, I kind of wonder sometimes uh, uh um you know if uh like uh you know what i mean right yeah, you, you're thinking about traveling, aren't you? Maybe? Oh, I, I mean, I never thought about that, but I mean, I um, I would if, um, yeah, I, I just wouldn't want to go anywhere by myself, really, because I, I wouldn't know anybody if I was by myself. <laughs> and he gets beat red, uh, and even though it's dark out, you can you can tell. You can, I can just sense the, the awkwardness just coming off of him. <laughs> yeah, you don't need an insight roll for that. <laughs> she just smiles sweetly and just puts an arm on his shoulder. She's like, I mean, I moved up here by myself and I didn't know anybody. It, it was tough, but y- you do make friends and people you get close to. And she just kind of like loops her arm around in, like into Agnes's arm and just like gives like a little hug. <laughs> Agnes is a... Uh... <laughs> I think she turns and gives you like a 
like a one of those question mark looks you know of like <laughs> about like what's what's going trying to figure out what's going on in your head like what where like can i help you in some way i don't know how i could contribute and somehow this is all asked with just one glance all right so uh agnes give me a performance check <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh no <laughs> and ignacia give me an insight check 11 12 <laughs> so you <laughs> so what i was going for there was uh how much over 10 both of you were uh so in total you're three over 10 you have no idea what her look is meant to convey um she shoots you this glance that looks pained looks quizzical and you wonder if maybe there's something wrong with the glasses that she's been refusing to take off. Um, and wonder if like there's some depth of focus issue there. Um, meanwhile, Alex is sort of awkwardly trying to snuggle himself into the arm that you've put around him. <laughs> oh, she put it like through Agnes's, like not Alex's. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you said you put a put an arm around. No, no, no. She basically like kind of like snuck her arm, like you know how like some people like. Yeah, yeah. She kind of like wrapped her arm around Agnes's arm. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, yeah. I misunderstood. Um, so, so in that case, he sort of looks at the two of you, and um, also has no idea what the hell is going on, <laughs> um, and thinks that maybe the two of you were exchanging a look. Um, at his expense, but he's not quite sure. So he, he goes a little bit deeper red. Oh, buddy, no. And then when... But Agnes, with the 12 on insight, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's too busy like noticing Agnes squint at her, and she's like, are you okay? Are you feeling all right? Are you are you see are these glasses messing with your perception? When's the last time you had an eye exam? Yeah, Agnes, I think in return to like you asking like are you okay? She kind of just mirrors back. She's like, "Are you okay?" I I'm okay. Is every everyone's okay, I think. We're all we're all okay. Alex says, uh, uh, "I'm okay." You see, everybody is a okay. <laughs> Lovely night we're having, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I like, Boston in the winter is, is terrible, but in the summer, it's pretty good. Um, it doesn't get as hot, and it's not as far into summer yet. You know, it can get a little bit hot in August, I guess, but um, I guess everywhere can, right? I mean, maybe not like Antarctica, but um, you know what I mean. I like autumn. Ignacia, what is your favorite season? I, I guess here in the summer. And she's not catching on how awkward anybody's being around her. Right. So she's like, first off, doesn't notice how the tones are like the forced conversation tones. So she's like, you know, I think I like Boston summers. Um, they're not as hot as what I'm used to. But this snow thing that happens here in the winter, I don't know how you people grew up with this and have lived with it. But I, it's, it's so cold. Um, Agnes is going to 
pretend that there's something. So she's going to stop walking first and, she, and then say, oh, no, uh, there, there seems to be a pebble in my boot. Why don't you all go ahead? Just keep walking. I'll catch up. I just need to, I need to unlace my boot and get the pebble out. I'll be run. I'll catch up with you shortly, but please don't hesitate on my account. And then Agnes starts taking off her boot, like over by the, by the side of the street. <laughs> okay. We'll just be just at the corner here then. Sounds great. I'll be there shortly. <laughs> so, so Alex kind of looks back and forth between the two of you um, and then follows along with Ignacia. Um, and he says, your friend is, is very, is very nice. You have nice friends. Yeah, I, they're great. I, I enjoy their presence a lot, especially Agnes. She's, she's my first friend that I've had when I first moved here to Boston. And you guys are, what, um, what you guys did in the, in the museum was amazing. I didn't know that big guy, he hits really hard. Yes. Yes, he does. I've seen him in action. He's so strong. If, if you didn't realize that and see it, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a really strong man. He seems... I don't know, gentle. Like, he doesn't seem like the kind of person who could or ever would hit that hard. I, I'm just talking. When I get nervous, I try to talk a lot, and it doesn't always work. But I, I would like to know you more than I know you. And um, I like your friends too, and, and they're nice, but I would like to spend some time getting to know just you if you ever wanted to get to know just me. Maybe, sometime. Ignacia's blushing, because she's like, oh. <laughs> she's he's not, not he's, he's looking directly down at the ground while he's saying all of this, so he's not, he doesn't see you blush at all. Yeah. Hey, and she's going to like, just like put a hand on his shoulder and like try to get his attention. The hand on his shoulder immediately gets his attention. He looks directly into your eyes. How how tall is he? Like how what's what's the height difference? Uh, he is. How tall are you? She's like she's five foot. Okay. Um, he is about five eight. Okay, so she, so she's like, I would like that. He smiles, and it's like this awkward, goofy, but mostly awkward smile. Um, and he says, okay, uh, I would also like that, but I already told you that. She's just going to smile and just, like, that, that hand on, her, on his shoulder, she's just going to, like, give it, like, a little, like, nice, a small little rub and just drop it and look back to see if Agnes is finally catching up or not. <laughs> <laughs> um agnes is repetitively like doing the like sh- trying to shake the non-existent pebble out of her boot just so she's just like shaking this boot up and down not actually trying to get something out because there's nothing in there to be got out 
but like she will be uh, alert enough that if you try to like give her a direct enough signal she'll at least see that that is an attempt that is being made I, I think she's gonna look back and be like Agnes are you still having issues with the pebble it's a very stubborn pebble there may be multiple pebbles in fact and Ignacia is just gonna just give her a how look <laughs> You wear boots. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's been a, that's just the look she's saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so yeah, they they're just gonna wait for Agnes because they don't. Yeah. Ignacia doesn't want to leave Agnes by herself. So yeah, as soon as it seems like their conversation is kind of like so- something has happened, Agnes uh, puts the boot back on and rejoins all better (laughs) and so uh a little less awkwardly but still awkwardly you head back to the han residence and as you get up to the near the front door alex says well it was very nice to spend the evening with all of you and um, Ignacia, would it be okay if I called on you here? Um, I, I have to work t- tomorrow, but maybe the night after? She thinks about it for a second, trying to go through her schedule in her head. And she, yeah, I, I think that should be fine. Uh, okay. I would like that, but I told you that already. Okay. Have a really good night. Bye. And she waves back before going in. Okay. And shutting the door and looking at Agnes being like, he likes me. Oh, you oh, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I just never had a, a suitor before, so I don't. He's going to call on you. What do I do? Well, not that I'm really the best person to ask about these things. You're I better mean, than some people. I mean, I don't know anyone else. We can ask Beatrice. I don't know. I'm I, literally the worst person you could ask for advice. <laughs> um, we could, if Beatrice is free, we could, I, I will definitely ask her. I think that would be appropriate. So you do know, uh, both of you, that Beatrice and her family are coming over the next morning for uh, breakfast to work on some of the wedding planning, since that's only a few weeks away. Perfect, then. I mean, we have every excuse to... I'm sure she will want to stop talking about wedding preparations tomorrow at some point, and we can pull her away and... Talk to her about these matters like adolescents would. (laughs) (laughs) And Ignacia, do you know anything about what's going on with Beatrice other than the wedding? No, I don't think, I don't think Agnes told her about that. No, Agnes, I think because Beatrice was pretty, seemed pretty uh, adamant of keeping this under wraps. Okay. 
So it is late. Um, and so Agnes, you, as is your custom, go into the study and find your father there asleep by some medical textbook. Um, and as you open the door, he sort of sits up, <laughs> sniffs the air and says, oh, so a good night out then, huh? I mean, there was no bloodshed, so yes. He says, well, that's good. Good night, dear. Are you (laughs) going to sleep there and and wake up with your neck in a lot of pain? He says, no. (laughs) No, he stands up and he stretches. He says, I'll, uh, I'll head up. Your mother will be, will be glad to know you're home. And Agnes leaves him to it. He says, but, you know, don't forget about breakfast tomorrow. I wouldn't dream of it. All right. So anything either of you want to do before you go to bed? <laughs> do we have... Oh, this is such a stupid question. Do we, do we have in the house somewhere a small potted plant? Yes. Um, Your mother would definitely keep uh, keep herbs and Ignacia certainly, certainly would. I would like to find a small potted plant and just take it for, for now. I will just take it up to my room, but there's science reasons why I, why Agnes wants these. Okay. Uh, yeah. So what kind of plant do you find? There's one uh, at the, in the center of the, the dining room table. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like anything that the most inconspicuous thing possible um, so like some very not colorful flowers, perhaps, or like a fern. A fern would be perfect. Nobody cares about ferns. Great. Yeah. So the fern isn't a centerpiece, but there is one, uh, kind of off to the side in the dining room. Your mother often extols the virtues of fresh oxygen in the room. And that's one of the few things that she and your father don't disagree about. Um, so this fern is now mine for science. <laughs> science fern. Okay. And and, just, I just want to make sure I have it for the future. Okay. And um, I think Ignacia is getting ready for bed and she's like, not praying, but she's, it's how she usually communes just in general with the world around her. She talks to her grandma like she's there. Like she's there. She's like, well, I just wanted to let you know that, and you'll finally be happy about it. I know you've been trying to send, set me up with people for years before you passed, but I might have a suitor. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I've been, I was too focused on my work to even think about any of this. So just wanted to let you know. Hope things are okay on the other side. Good night. I miss you. And then she goes to bed. So what does it feel like, or have you ever had the experience of feeling like you connected with her while you were talking to her? I don't think it's more any sort of feeling. I think it's more of 
somewhere there's a random whiff of uh, uh, cactus blossom mm-hmm. scents because that's the that's the smell that she associates with her abuelita is um just it just fills the room suddenly it's like a small like breeze through it's like mm-hmm. and then it just fades away yep and so that happens um quite strongly and the breeze passes through and the smell is there but as the breeze fades the smell lingers just a little bit longer than you're used to look i and this is at the point where Ignacia is like laying in bed. So she's sitting up now and, she, and she's like, just looks around, not anything in particular, just, you know, just looking up at the ceiling. She's like, I know you're excited, but I didn't know you'd be this excited for it. And she's waiting if there's any other signs. <laughs> no, there's no other response. And she, and she waits another second, another minute or so. And then she's like, all right. I love you. Good night. And she lays back down and then she goes to bed. Okay. Agnes, are you headed straight to bed or are you going to science that fern at all? Um, I'm going to read a little bit about botany. Okay. Scientific text, of course, and then mm-hmm, of course. go to sleep. Okay. No experiments for the night yet. Okay. <laughs> all right. So both of you uh, are a little bit drunk. Um, and very happy and very tired. And so you drift right off to sleep. Ignacia, as you drift off, you close your eyes and you find yourself again in that same forest. It's a place now that you feel comfortable. You've been here enough. And you look around you and you see the same wolf pat its way up to you, cock its head to the side, and look you in the eyes. Hello, friend. The wolf smiles, and for a second, you're scared because wolves don't smile. But it's not, and it shows its teeth, but they're not aggressive. And it says, hello. Oh, I didn't expect you to talk back. Why not? I've spoken to you before. She pauses and thinks about it, trying to remember other dreams in a dream. So she's like, oh, sorry, forgive me. I must have forgotten. It says, no, this is the problem with talking to people through dreams. If you don't mind me asking, may I get your name? Not yet. Okay. But I do have a favor. Okay. And the wolf sort of lifts its paw up to you, and in the paw there's a folded piece of paper. She slowly takes it and then opens it up to read. And so in true dream fashion, the paper becomes sort of the only thing that you can see. And on it is written in very neat script, please take care of him until I get there. And as you look up from the paper, the wolf is gone and you're alone in the forest again. 
She's she's going to look around for a bit and be like, "Who is he? Hello, hello." And you wake up with the sun sort of streaming into your face from the windows that you didn't close last night, and you think you hear hello echoing from your voice, but you can't be sure if you were actually saying it or not. Okay. And Ignacia's just going to lay there, stare at the window, and just think about the dream, and just sit up slowly and be like, who, who is he? And she's just, just gonna sit there for a minute, just thinking about it. Okay. All right, Agnes, you have an incredibly restful night's sleep and wake up the next morning feeling happy and refreshed. Oh man, that's how we know this is true fantasy and not reality. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, one of my favorite things about the a stable group of friends and eight hours of sleep a night, true fantasy. I've, I've probably dreamt about botany. <laughs> yeah, so tell me what dream you remember as you're waking up. What random firing of neurons uh, do you assemble into meaning for yourself? Um, it's kind of like the incident with the ants, except for it's the fern that's singing. Okay. <laughs> and um, what is the fern singing to you about? Uh, it's singing about pebbles and boots. It's not anything that's actually helpful at all. It's complete like nonsense. Okay. <laughs> oh no, Doug, are you actually going to try sing it? Of course I am. I have to. <laughs> oh, these are the rules. Um, <sighs> okay. And so uh, the fern, in a sort of halting, uh, awkward baritone, sings. was a lie that was a lie there was no stone in your shoe that was a lie that was a lie oh for science <laughs> for science <laughs> and so as you wake up you sort of look over at the fern um and you're positive it's your imagination or a breeze um but the leaves, the fronds, almost seem to be moving a little bit. But then they stop. That plant's coming with me everywhere from here on out. <laughs> I am going to, once we leave this house, that, that fern is coming in my satchel. Okay. Wait, how big is this fern? <laughs> Hopefully fairly small. Yeah, we, we can say it's small. We can say it, um, you know, a pot about... About yay size, maybe mm -hmm. about that big. So about, uh, since about this big and me motioning with my hands doesn't translate well for <laughs> podcasting, um, I would say about like a, like a six inch diameter pot. Okay, pretty small. I was just thinking like this big old like ficus. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> like, 
James, carry this. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Make a backpack out of it. Is is that a fern? You should hear him sing. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, so you get ready for the day and both of you here by the time you wake up uh, quite a bit going on downstairs. Um, and, you know, sort of as your consciousness comes back to your awake state, you remember, oh, right, you know, this is a very big day. Um, your parents have met her parents before, but they don't spend much time together uh, and you're not sure if they've ever been over before. Um, yeah. I'm not, Agnes is not particularly looking forward to, I just feel like the formalities of these things are a little bit, they're tiresome and they tend to draw things out longer than they need to be. Um, so <laughs> I think she kind of does, tries to get this part over with quickly goes and says hello to Beatrice's parents um, and then tries to give Beatrice the, a meaningful look of like, let's talk, not a stressful talk, like a wink, this'll be, this is a fun talk. Okay, give me a performance check. <laughs> Six. Okay. Um, luckily, uh, Beatrice is an incredibly insightful person um, and sees your look, kind of raises one eyebrow at you and then nods and says, um, oh, uh, sister, would you like to see the drawing I got of the dress? I would love to see the drawing of the dress. And she clasps your hand and pulls you into the, into the library. And her mother goes to follow, but she says, Mother, you've already seen it. Don't, don't worry. And she's excitedly unfolding this piece of paper from her, from her purse. I am kind of genuinely interested in the drawing of the dress because it's like this whole product. I'm kind of curious to see. It's, that's a very good tell for how extravagant the rest of this wedding is going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's not, certainly not as extravagant as like, some of the gowns you saw at the museum opening. Um, my understanding is that weddings back then were sort of a, a you know, much less of a big deal than they are now. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it does look like a nice dress. Um, it certainly, uh, the veil and the train are emphasized in it. Um, and, She's sort of excitingly pointing out details to you. Um, and you're struck by how much, how modest of a dress it is. Agnes doesn't say this, but she she has a loud thought of, God, all of this to marry William. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Ignacia right now? Is, are you uh, in the vicinity? I think Ignacia was just trying to stay out of the way, even though she was invited to help out. But she's, I think, probably in the kitchen, like helping cook or clean or something. And then I guess when she saw y'all walking past, if you if you gave her a look, she'd probably be like, okay, I'll come join you. Yeah, I think Agnes will. You, you, Ignacia, you must see this uh, trim, this, this lace 
I just does not know that much about like fashion or dresses, but it, you have to, it's, it's, it's very, it's quite extraordinary. I think you will like to see this and have other conversations with Beatrice perhaps. Oh, um, okay. Hold on. Let me go wash my hands and I'll be right in there. And she goes off to wash her hands and then she'll make her way in. I don't understand fashion here so hopefully you can explain this dress to me agnes well as you can see there is a veil which is traditional for weddings i understand and a train which is also traditional for weddings um but what's potentially a little bit more pressing right now is um uh do you want to explain to beatrice or should i explain what your 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 oh events of last night Oh, that's, that's right. Oh, I, Beatrice leans in. I oh gosh, I had a dream last night that threw me for a loop. So I'm sorry. Just um, yeah. Um, so you've experienced this since you are getting married, but I was wondering how society's um. Um, how, how, how do people court in here? How does, how does that, that work? (laughs) Both of you give me a quick insight check. Wow. Cool. Thanks, Dice. Um, that's a seven. Okay. Get him out of the way now. (laughs) 16. Okay. Not rolling do anymore. I'm going to roll these other ones. (laughs) Agnes, you notice that she is hesitating a little bit more to speak than she usually does, um, which you think might have something to do with how Ignacia prefaced all this. She seemed to balk a little bit when she said the thing about her uh, having a dream that threw her for a loop. Mm -hmm. So she says, "Uh, well, I mean, courting is, is... Really, I think people make it more complicated than they have to. And she launches into this incredibly complicated discussion about courtship rituals and what to expect and on what date you should hold hands and on what date this should happen. And throughout the whole thing, she keeps saying, but if you're dating someone who's a a true gentleman, like my William, it will, of, of course, go so much easier and, um, but I mean, it's like a, like a 15 minute diatribe about this. As um, soon as she started, Ignacia basically puts up a finger, runs and grabs papers or like a notepad from the desk in the library and a, a pen. And she's like, okay, continue. And she's just taking notes the whole so time. So a few times she says, I, I don't think you need this. It's really, it's really no. quite simple. No, I need this. Okay. Uh, give me an intelligence check. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, that's not bad. Um, where are you? Uh, 18. This all makes perfect sense to you. Um, still taking notes. You're still taking notes and you're right. But you're, you're forming connections and you're developing like a meta theory of courtship. Um, and all of this makes sense to you. Uh, going forward, anytime you're interacting with, Alex, uh, any of your 
charisma checks will have advantage. Cool. Uh, Agnes, why don't you give me an intelligence check too? Oh boy. That's a 23. You, you get it. Um, you're almost like finishing her sentences in your head before she does. And you're like, okay, all right, great. And so, uh, mechanically we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but, uh, can't shoot a gun, but I know exactly when to leave a calling card, how to drink my tea. (laughs) Etiquette we get. Exactly how high to lift your pinky. Um, Etiquette we get. Everything else we're like, meh. (laughs) Right. But the one thing that resounds with you is that likely on a date, you shouldn't throw a drink at someone. (laughs) I mean, I'll try. (laughs) no promises so after a little bit um you hear a sort of tentative tap on the door and william kind of slides the door open and says uh breakfast is is almost ready are you all almost finished i can stall them for a little bit Mm, i think we're wrapping up in here we should be another minute she says uh i was just giving Ignacia some pointers and she sort of gets a, a very sheepish smile on her face and then looks at the two of you and, and grins. Ignacia is red because she's like, oh no, someone else knows. <laughs> um, William does know. Yeah, he knows. <laughs> and uh, he says, okay, but uh, if you could hurry and he gives Beatrice a kiss on the cheek. So breakfast is relatively uneventful. Um, His mother, Mabel, is uh, almost a professional socialite. Um, And so she's on top of all of the planning and organization. Uh, Her father, Warren, who's a lawyer, is gladly footing the bill for all of this. And you don't need any kind of check to tell that they both think the world of William um, and think that this is a fantastic match and are excited to be welcoming him into their family. Agnes, I assume that grates on you a little bit. It does a little bit, but at the same time, I'm kind of just, I I have this sense of like, okay, we're going to be getting rid of him. Like he's going to have his own life. He's going to become these people's problem a little bit more and a little bit less of my problem because he's going to have more people to have to please and contend with and soon he will have his whole set of new responsibilities that'll keep them away from me. (laughs) Great. And he does actually do one thing during the breakfast that actually kind of impresses you. What does he do? Um, I think Beatrice's mother and father are like, kind like they already know him and, and they like him, but they still kind of are in, interrogation mode a little bit with it like they just want to know everything there is possible to know about him and and they realize like oh we haven't covered this subject we haven't covered this subject and it just gets i can tell that he's getting very irritated and he's a little bit tired and with anybody else especially with me he would snap but he's still managing to keep like a polite smile on his face and answer everything um and he like he just he doesn't lose it like he doesn't he's not cracking great 
And so the rest of uh, breakfast passes and we continue on with the rest of the day. The important detail though, is that the wedding is going to be on uh, July 22nd, which I think is about two and a half weeks away if I'm remembering our dates correctly. But, so what do the two of you do for the rest of the day? Does Ignazi have any like, any solid plans or interests? No, but I think once things die down and like things are starting to settle, she gonna go to Agnes and be like, I know you don't care much for dreams, but can I tell you about mine? Of course. So I've been having the same dream a lot and I don't know, maybe saying it out loud will help me understand something or maybe you can understand something from it, but with, I, I always dream I'm in these woods and there's always a wolf and I just realized, learned something that this wolf can speak. Agnes is like nodding along. <laughs> Like yes, talking wolves. Uh, yes, I know. It's it sounds absurd, but let me it's a dream, so obviously not real. Um, but he the wolf asked me to um ask a favor from me and handed me a note that said please take care of him before I get there. And him? that was it. Yeah, I don't. There's a. Do you have. Did, did you know in the dream who the he was or? GM, do what I know in the dream who he is? <laughs> I'm going to assume no, but like, yeah. Would, no, you would not. Yeah. Yeah. But Agnes, if you want to give me an insight psychology check, uh, I think you would have some experience with looking at dreams and the interpretation of dreams through your studies right um 10 but not this time not this time i feel like this time it's well maybe it's indigestion we did drink a lot or you know fair amount last night sometimes that can uh influence your dreams yeah that that is true just hmm. i think with a 10 you have an interpretation but you aren't sure if it's the right one Mm-hmm. Well, dreams can I I do believe that there is some worth in dream analysis because it is our brains trying to tell us something. Um I mean what what importance does a wolf have? I feel like if the wolf is a recurring theme, then it's the things that recur the most, right, that are the most important. I yeah, I it's I guess so, but I don't know what the wolf means in regards to this to to my dreams. I've seen this wolf constantly. I just I just don't know. Maybe we should go to the zoo and take a look at the wolves, and that will uh, jog your memory. 
I'm 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 doing my best to be helpful. Sorry, I was looking up to see when the zoo opened up in Boston. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. There's a zoo in Boston. <laughs> um. Well, I don't know if you have anything planned today, but other than this breakfast, nothing much. Would you like to go to the zoo then? Why not? Unless, of course, you would prefer to uh, keep the zoo as a courtship activity with your new suitor. Wait, was that one of the things? And she's going to pull out the piece of paper she pulled from the notepad <laughs> and like, read it over again? Oh, yes, walking. Seeing zoo, walking and talking. I think that's one of the first or second ones. I guess. I guess I could do that with him, but... Then she folds it back up and she's like, well, did you have anything planned today? Not in particular. Mm. Neither did I. I mean, we can scout the zoo out. (laughs) So you two head over to the zoo and you have just a lovely time. (laughs) Um, And it's a nice day. Um, It's a bit warm, but uh, it's quite nice. At one point during the day, though, uh, both of you have the suspicion that something might be wrong, um, specifically with, uh, with the guys. What form does that suspicion take, and why do you both easily dismiss it and not ever share it with the other one? I, I think with... Ignacia, it would be more of just like a a, a stomach pain. Mm-hmm. It's because that's how she recognizes good versus evil or whatever. So a lot of hers comes from like that that area. So she just she just thinks it was just probably from the drinking last night and then a heavy breakfast. So she just brushes off to to that. I think for Agnes. When we're what's when we're specifically looking at the hippos and we're in like the hippo house, um, and there's the pool of water where the hippos come in and out, and Agnes is kind of just like spacing out and just zoning out and looking at the water for a moment, and she thinks in the reflection that she sees both Finn and James for a split second, and she kind of looks around. She like she shakes her head because she realizes you know they're not there, but she looks around just to make sure they aren't in the room and it's not actually their real reflection getting caught, um. But that kind of plants the seed of those two in her mind. But she kind of brushes it off as it's just a whatever thought that crossed through her mind. Okay. Yeah, I think whenever Ignacia gets that stomach age, she thinks about that one time they're in the the Ripper's house. And whenever she detected that and Sawyer was right there. or She didn't know he was there until later. But, mm-hmm. um, but basically it was their first adventure. So it kind of her brainwaves went in that direction. Okay. So after you spend a lovely day at the zoo, um, you come home just before dinner. And when you get back, Charlotte asks you about, um, about last night, specifically where the guys were when you left. If they went their own separate ways or if they stayed at the bar or what happened. She tells you that 
Li Jing sent her a note to ask if he had stayed here and if the two of you had come home because Sawyer didn't come back last night. We left them at the bar. Yeah, he, they were there when we left. Um, we had someone else walk, walk us home. Um, he, did they check James's apartment? I believe he lives not too far from there. She would be surprised if they would go check in on James, but um, but she shrugs and says, that might not be a bad idea. I, I can go look. I mean, we've got some time before dinner, so. I'll come with you. All right. Do we know where James lives? I'm assuming so. Yeah, I think by this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you get to his... Uh, you get to his house or his apartment and knock on the door and there's no response. Um, you check your pocket watch and think, you know, maybe he's at a job, but at this point it's 6.30 at night. He would be finished with any job he had. Can Are I... there windows we can peek into? <laughs> uh, he's a couple stories up. Uh, uh, not uh, worth the fire, risk. Fire escapes were not so much a thing back then. Um, so. Can I look to see if, like, there looks like there's been movement in that house recently? Like, maybe dirt on the ground, or like, just, I don't know, just in... You can, yeah, you can give me a really hard investigation check. Oh boy, not my greatest, but, uh... Because you're outside, you're not, you know, the door's locked. Twelve. You're not able to tell. I think she's gonna knock a couple times and be like, James, are you home? Wait. And then just look to Agnes, just shrugging. She's like, maybe they went out again? I don't know, I... Well, let's, I guess we go back to my mother and then see what she has to say. Okay. And Ignacia is just worried now, just straight up like, all the thoughts running through her head, and like as they're passing bar, she's like, let's just stop in this one real quick, take a look. They might be in here. So definitely taking a longer time getting back to the Han residence. So are you going back to the bar where you were before? Or just any random bar nearby? If the bar is pretty close and not too far out of the way, it's not close. No, it's not. Should we go back to the bar? Should we? I mean, it's worth looking into. I mean, we don't have, it's not like telling my mother that we haven't found them is going to really suddenly reveal new information. We should at least come back with something, even if it's that they left the bar at some point. Okay. So we'll take the detour to go to the, the bar we were at last night. Okay. So as you get there, um, you walk up to the bar and push the door open, but there's no one in there. Um, which for a bar, this particular place that's in a sort of working class area of Boston, you would expect that there would be people there by now. But there's no bartender, there are no patrons, no one. Is there like a back room that we'd be able to take a look inside of? Yes. 
So if you head around to the back of the bar, you can uh, go through and you see a door to the outside um, and then a door that, uh, and then another door. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take a look in that other door. Okay, you open it up and there's a set of stairs leading down to the basement. Ignacia, do you perhaps uh, want to join me in our little a little expedition downstairs to see if there's anything that could uh, shed some light on the situation? I don't feel like going down there by myself currently. Yeah, sh- sure. And she's just going to do like another look around the main bar, like specifically where they were sitting, to see if she can see anything worth note. Okay. Uh, give me an investigation check. Okay. Um, that's a 15. Okay. Uh, you notice that one of the tables is on its side, uh, as though it got tipped over. Um, and there are, uh, with a 15, you're able to tell two glasses worth of shattered pint glasses on the floor. Um, she's going to go to the broken glasses and be like, Hold on one second. Let's let me see. And I'm gonna try like I don't know. I think I knew what we were drinking last night, but I, they might have tra- changed drinks. Is does it smell like what we were drinking last night by chance? Or it does not. But it wouldn't be uncommon for them to switch drinks over the course of the night. Okay. She, uh, I guess with that, she's gonna go to where Agnes is and be like. There's a knocked over table over there with two drinks on the ground. That doesn't seem good. No. All right. Well, um, what did you find over here? Over here? Uh, nothing yet. But if you would, if if you don't mind, I'd love to have your company going downstairs because it doesn't seem necessarily very safe to go down by myself. Is it dark? It is. Um, she's going to look around real quick, make sure there's no one there, which. There isn't. They, you, you said that already. Um, and then tap, I guess, her satchel. Mm-hmm. And just have it as like a, um, and cast light and just uses it basically as a, a nice glowing flashlight. Okay. Agnes, how do you explain this suddenly illuminated thing to yourself? Oh, good. My eyes have adjusted to the darkness. <laughs> And they're especially adjusted right around that thing, right over there. Who would have thought? Okay. So you make your way down into the basement, and, uh, you know, there are casks and cases of bottles and things around. Um, But in the middle of the floor, there is uh, the form of a, a person with a bag over their head, and their hands crudely tied behind their back and their feet crudely tied together. At the sound of your footsteps, the person seems to stir a little bit and starts making noise, but uh, they're not able to make any words. You said there's a bag over their head? Yeah. I'm gonna go over and, well, first I'm gonna take a look around and see if there's anybody else down there. Okay, uh, give me a quick investigation check. Uh, that's a nat 20. Uh, you don't see anybody, and you're real sure there's nobody. Awesome, I'm gonna go over head. and take that bag off their head. So the person, as you pull the bag off of uh, the head, you recognize it as the bartender from last night. Um, 
and he looks at you scared for a second um, and then sort of calms down once he recognizes the two of you. Uh, he's got a gag in his mouth and uh, a pretty big lump on the back of his head. I'll remove that gag. Okay. He sort of takes a couple quick shallow breaths, finally able to breathe smoothly, and says, Oh, thank God you came back. What happened? He says, there was a... Shortly after you left, there was a, a knock on the door in the back, and I, like an idiot, went to answer it, and that, as I opened it, this bag went over my head, and I assume, I assume that's why my head hurts so much. That's the last thing I remember until I woke up here. Who knows how long it, what, what time, what time is it? What time is it? It's like, it was six when we... Yeah, it's about 6.30, so it would be about 7.15. All right, I thought him as much. He says, a.m. or p.m.? Uh, p.m. Oh, okay. Well, then I've been out for a little while. Uh, and while he's talking, Ignacio's just going to go over there and, like, look at, make sure his wounds look okay and, like, just start checking on him. Yeah, he's got a pretty gnarly, uh, pretty gnarly lump on the back of his head. Um, probably concussed, um, based on the way he's sort of dazedly responding. Um, though I don't know if you would know about concussions back then, but, um, he seems to have taken a hit to the head, um, and it seems to be affecting him. I'm also going to untie his arms, <laughs> like, so I'm not going to just leave him. <laughs> right. Okay, well, we'll be going. Could you? We have to go. Goodbye. Okay, yeah, so he sort of, like, rubs his wrists as you untie that, um, and you can see that there are some red marks there where he was clearly trying to pull against them um, and that he was tied pretty tightly. Um, Our friends who were here with us last night, you don't happen to know what happened to them, do you? He says, "The, the last thing I remember is before I woke up down here with this like this uh, is opening the door and seeing this that, what is that a flower sack thrown over my head and you, you didn't recognize a voice you didn't catch a glimpse of any faces it was it was too quick and I don't remember I'm gonna Agnes turns and gives Ignacia a concerned look I'm not going to make you do a performance check. <laughs> Ignacia also has a very worried look on her face too. As um, she's she hears this, she's like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to assume the worst, but what if something did happen to them?" This is the door, and Agnes points to like the, the there's a I guess there is a door somewhere that they came in through, or is that upstairs? That's upstairs. So that's, that's upstairs. the door to the outside. Um. So you said they came in through the back door. Mm-hmm. They knocked and and I opened it. Um. I'm gonna try to drag him back upstairs because it doesn't seem right to leave him down there while I go take a Ignacia look at that door. <laughs> oh, he, he's able to walk. Um. 
you know, he sort of takes some like faltering steps because his legs are pretty well asleep. But uh, yeah, he's able to he's able to carry himself. Well, she supports him and like helps him like get up there. And once they get back to ground level, um, she sits him in a chair and. Was there ice? I think there was ice back then. I'm, I'm <laughs> I think so, yeah. She's going to see that there's some ice and get put it in one of the bar cloths and mm-hmm. just try to just tell him, just keep it there for about 10 minutes and then take it off and then put it back on after two minutes pass. Okay. Uh, and I want to take a look at the, the back door and open it up and see if there's anything either inside the door, outside the door, anything that could potentially be a clue. Uh, give me an investigation check. Uh, like 22. Okay. So you notice as you look around uh, some of the mud by the back door, there are a set, uh, there are four sets of different footprints back there. One of them you recognize as what would have been about the bartender size foot, but there are uh, three other distinct sets of footprints there as well, or boot prints. I point this all out to Ignacia. Who are we closer to right now? Uh, the police station where Detective O'Neill would be or my mother's or my house? Uh, you're probably closer to the police station because it's in a working class neighborhood. Um, I think we should, I turned to Ignacia. I think we should bring this to Detective O'Neill immediately. Yeah, let's go. Okay. And we'll take the poor bartender to like a We'll take him along because he may be whatever he has to say would be important for Detective O'Neill here. Okay. Um, yeah, so he just says, if I can lock up, um, goes up, kind of makes a survey of everything around there and says, yeah, they didn't steal anything. Checks the register. There's no money gone. Um, he says, yeah, this wasn't a robbery. And so he walks out, uh, you know, locks all the doors and follows you. So you get to the police station pretty quickly. Um, and Detective O'Neill uh, is still there. You're immediately ushered in to see him. And he listens to everything you tell him. And he says, uh, yeah. Li Jing told me he hadn't come home last night and uh, I did send one of my guys over to check on Mr. Wilcox, but uh, hmm. well, this is bad. He says, and so he listens to the whole thing and he says, so there no clues at the scene about where they would have been taken. Okay. Well, and he takes a uh, a small, smooth, flat stone out of uh, his desk um, and says to the bartender, I'm sure you'll be wanting to get back to your establishment. Um, no sense in losing another night's business. Uh, we'll be by if we need anything. And the guy heads out. Uh, he takes out a, a pen and starts writing directly on this stone. Um, and you're not able to tell what he's writing, but Charlotte 
It's eight o'clock at night. Uh, what are you doing right now? Uh, I think Charlotte is um, still dressed from the day and is sitting at a small desk in her apartment uh, reviewing some papers. Okay. And as you're sitting at your desk, the stone near you lights up and you see the words police station as quickly as possible appear on it. The Red Death is Morgan Nuncio as Ignacia, Cleo Yansu Davis as Agnes, Tim Devine as Finn Sawyer, Kent Blue as James, and Doug Lewandowski as the Game Master. The Red Death is part of the Roll to Play Network. It is edited, produced, and hosted by Kent Blue. Discover more at RollToPlayNetwork.com And do join us next time, if you Marsh Haven is on the up as those good eggs over at Mondo Corps have done it again by announcing an Hello. 150 new jobs once they open the doors to the Phoenix Plaza. Hello. Various boutiques and offices, the plaza boasts a new exhibition space, famous Pete Mummy, and a much needed cash injection into local secondary school, Anna Kingsford College. Hello. Look, if you can hear this, then maybe all is not lost. Marsh Haven is not the place that you think it is. It has secrets, and there doesn't seem to be a sane adult in a hundred miles of the place who wants to know. Look, just spread the word. The kids are doing the best they can, but the country needs to know. The world needs to know that... Brits on Bikes is an actual play podcast powered by the Kids on Bikes RPG. Listen on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at Brits underscore bikes. Keep on biking.